Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. So good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. So good to be with the family of God. Amen. We're in the home stretch, church. The return of Jesus Christ is imminent. And we're in the home stretch. And for those of you that might not know about track and field, the starting and the ending are the most important part of the race. The starting and the ending. You have to get a good start. Good start is always good. And the ending is when you just put everything you have in you to finish it out, close it out. I mean everything. You run with everything in you to finish that race. And we are in the home stretch. So I encourage you to run with everything that's in you. Do everything you can. You're not racing against anyone. (laughs) You're just running to finish the race. And so you put everything that you've got into it, and you run as hard as you can with all the strength that you have and take it to the end because we're in the home stretch. We're in the home stretch. And God is allowing us to understand that it's so good that we can be in on at that side where God has revealed to us and allow us to know what's going on. Uh, you've heard me said before that God shares secrets with his friends. And so if you are a child of God, he will share secrets with you. And so you will know what's going on. That's why it's, uh, it, it's kind of um, funny when our world is trying to figure out. Don't you get uh, bamboozled, as they like to say, by our world trying to figure out what our God is doing. He's not sharing anything with them. They're just coming up with everything they can figure out on their own. But that means nothing. He shares secret with you, his children. And so sometimes you need to just be bold enough and tell people, well, God hasn't shared anything with me yet, so I'm just waiting on him to share it. And they're telling you, well, I think this is what's going on. I said, well, I mean, if he shared it with you, then I hear you, but he hasn't shared anything with me yet. And I'm okay with that, telling someone he hasn't shared it with me yet, but if he shared it with you, then you do what you're supposed to do. Amen. But we're in the home stretch, and I thank God for his goodness and mercy. We're still standing. We're still alive. And whatever mistakes we've made, whatever we've done that's wrong, we still have some time to make amends with God, to correct our mistakes and correct our ways of ungodliness and make it right with God so we will be just where we need to be in Christ and preparing for Christ's return that we will spend eternity with him. If you will go with me in prayer tonight, I welcome all of you. Glad you're here. Uh, glad for those of you that have joined us on uh, online, our virtual congregation, online congregation. I greet you. Didi, I just want you to know that I appreciate your faithfulness. Didi is always on, and she is just always uh, a part of what we're doing in this congregation. And so, Didi. I uh, just want you to know that I'm grateful for you and thank God for you, that you're always so faithful in being a part of the service. And so we welcome all of you that are 
uh, that have joined us, whether online or in person. We thank God for you. And so let's pray together and just ask God to help us that we will not receive the word of God just in our intellect, in our in our own understanding. Let's ask for the understanding of the Holy Spirit that we can receive and understand the word of God as he intends for us to receive it, that it can help us and change our lives. Lord Jesus, we're thankful tonight for your goodness, your mercy, your kindness, your love. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. We are grateful, Lord Jesus, that we can come together one more time. For Lord, it is you that have called this meeting for this time. And oh God, we're grateful that we can be in your presence. We're grateful, Lord God, that we are in our right mind to know where we're supposed to be. And tonight, Lord God, we want to intake, we want to receive the engrafted word of God that our life will be changed, that our life will be profitable to you and to others. Oh God, tonight we humble ourselves before you. We pray that nothing hinder us from receiving from you the engrafted word, your knowledge, your impartation. So we ask, Lord, that you'll cleanse our heart from all unrighteousness and that you'll rid us from all sins and iniquities, Lord God. For truly, Lord God, we want to have a clean heart. We want to have, oh God, a heart that is cleansed, a heart that is pure, hands that are clean. We want to be holy and righteous, Lord God. We want to truly, Lord Jesus, do the things that are right and pleasing in your sight, Lord God. So, Lord, we ask tonight that you help us. We ask tonight, Lord Jesus, that you guide us. We ask tonight, Lord Jesus, that you will help us to be better Christians, to be better people. Oh, God, to shine your light brightly in this world, Lord God. Help us not to just receive your word with just intellectual understanding. But I pray tonight, oh, great God, that the spirit of the Lord will help us to understand just what you need us to know, just what you need us to understand, just what you need us to have, Lord God. We pray and ask that the spirit of the Lord will help us tonight individually and collectively, that the spirit of the Lord will help us tonight, that the spirit of the Lord will have preeminence tonight in us individually and in the midst of us here in person and online. Oh God, I pray that you will help us. I pray that you will speak to us. I pray that you will give us guidance. I pray that you will give us direction. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying unto us, Lord God, in the name of Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, that you will place me in the flow of your Spirit and allow me to speak as your own that, Lord, every one of us in this place tonight and online will receive what you have in store for us and that, Lord God, your will will be done. God, I pray tonight that the power of God will be manifested, that the power of God will be demonstrated and that, Lord, your will will be done. Your kingdom come. Have your way, O great God, as we call on you, Lord Jesus, as we call on your name, we ask that your will be done. Let it be so, oh great God. We pray and ask you these things in Jesus' name. Somebody clap their hand, hands unto the Lord and thank him in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for praying along with us. You may be seated. Amen. I believe we're going to get to
our final lesson tonight on the subject we've been talking about from death to life to spiritual maturity and uh, we're there and we're going to get into it tonight again and hopefully we will get to where God wants to take us in this teaching in this series amen hallelujah I just need to take my time and talk to you a little bit tonight <laughs> so help me tonight to just work with me that I can take my time to just go with it all right so we've been talking about the cycle from death to life and the cycle to become spiritually mature that we get to a place where we will not fall away from the faith. Uh, there are people that set out with good intentions, started out the right way, but they fell off because they just stopped at a point and never grew anymore, never did what God taught us to do, and so we never got to the place there. And then things begin to happen in our life, and we're trying to find answers as to why they're happening. But I'm going to give you the answer tonight as to why we fall apart at times in our quest to be faithful to God, to follow through on being good Christians, and to be uh, effective in who we are as Christians. So we're going to cover that tonight. But before we move forward into that, we stopped there last week. We were supposed to start with um, the spiritual maturity. We were supposed to get into that last week, and we're going to get into it tonight. But I wanted to show you something uh, that I want you to pay some attention to. I've said it, and I'm always trying my best to be clear in my communications to you in the Word of God. And so we, we talked about the natural cycle of life. And I believe that um, we, we, we've got a good idea there. Um, what is the natural cycle of life for a child to be born and to grow up and to become an adult? And so a mature adult. <laughs> and so we talked about that, that it requires fertility, uh, planting of the seed, conception, gestation, the breaking through the barrier, barrier, then the breath, then growth, and reproduction. Uh, that's the cycle that is required for an individual to be born and grow up and become mature in this world. Can't get around that. That You can put that up against anything. I mean, you take that to a doctor, they don't have a choice but to agree with that. <laughs> the second thing we discussed, the second cycle we discussed was the salvation cycle. Now, this means a lot to us. The first cycle we talked about, yeah, okay, we don't have to be smart. We don't need to know that. I mean, you know, things will just happen the way it needs to happen because, you know, it's, it's, it's natural. But the, the second cycle is now going from the humanistic life to a spiritual life. That, if you're going to one day get to heaven, you're going to have to implement 
those cycles of steps in your life in order to be saved. You know I say it all the time in this church because I don't want you to fall into the trap of just thinking that all you have to do is believe and you'll be saved. It's a process to everything. And for something as important as salvation, going to heaven one day, I just, you know, maybe it's just, I just was fortunate that the very first time uh, I was able to experience the word of God, I was able to get the full explanation and not had encountered people that say, just believe. But I must say to you, don't allow your family members, the people you love dearly, to just think that all they have to do is believe and they're going to be fine. I can't think of one thing that's important and it's just simple to get it done. I, I just can't. You try to figure out something that's super important and, and, and understand and, and try to figure out how can that be easily accomplished. Something that's super important that's easily accomplished. I, I just don't know. And there is nothing, hear me, there is nothing more important than being saved and spending eternity with Jesus Christ. That might not seem as important right now as it need to be because we haven't died yet or Christ hasn't returned yet. So because we haven't died yet and Christ hasn't returned yet, we might think salvation is not that important. Now, what's tricky about salvation, you will only know the importance if you never follow through with it at the end of your life. And that's too late. So we don't have time to try to figure out this salvation thing while we're living on the earth. Because if you don't do it, the only way you're going to know the importance of it is when you die or when Jesus returns. It's the only time you're going to, I can say it to you and you can say, yeah, yeah, we can take it for granted. But the bottom line is, you will only know the importance of salvation for yourself when you die or when Christ returns. Because then you will know how you will spend eternity. And eternity, <laughs> I don't think any of us can, can, can comprehend eternity. Because we live, some of us are fortunate to live the 70 and past 70 Whatever the life is, and we think, oh, that's a long time. Don't even scratch the surface of eternity. So every one of us, if we plan to have a great life eternally, needs to be saved. And it's not just, I confess. It's not just, I believe. It's not just getting baptized in Jesus' name. It's not just coming to church services. It's not just, and I can go on and on and on. Because it's so important, it's a lot that has to go on for you to walk in salvation. So here are the steps. Just like a human needed to be born, we need to be born again as Christians. The Bible says, except you be born again. So we must be born again. So here is what's required for us to be born again. Revelation, recognition, 
responding, repentance, remission, receiving, remaining, and reproducing. Now, the reason why I wanted to put it overhead, it's just this important that I wanted to give you an overhead snapshot of all of this, is because I need you to assess where you are in that salvation cycle. So, here is cycle number one, revelation. Now, I want us to assess it individually, and I want us to assess it as a church, the salvation cycle, okay? So, here we are. Revelation. What does revelation mean? God revealed himself either to you, or he used a teacher, an instructor, to teach you who he is, which means he's now revealed to you. So, when you come to know who God is, that he is deity and humanity, but he's one. When you understand that, you have received revelation of who God is. Everyone here tonight, I believe, has received that. Recognition is when you say, I got it. I understand it. I'm in agreement with it. Okay? Recognition is them. I'm in agreement with it. Then the third thing is, okay, I need to respond to all of that. I, 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 I received the revelation. I recognize and I agree. Now I'm going to respond to this. Now, how am I going to respond to get my life in alignment with the God who has revealed himself to me? And so I have to respond. So now I'm seeking how I respond. The next step is you're probably going to be instructed in the word of God or by God's person that he's using that the way you respond now that you have seek out how to respond is you need to repent. That's the fourth step. So what you do then is you say, God, I realize I've sinned against you and I realize I've been living my own way, pleasing myself. And I've just kind of ignored you. And only when I got into a situation, I kind of called out your name, but I really didn't know who you were at that time. And I was just living life on my own to do what I want to do. I didn't care about anybody else. Every once in a while, if I felt guilty, I'd go apologize. But in, in, in general, I lived my life for me. But I realize now, God, who you are and what you've done for me, I recognize that. And I'm responding now, so I am repenting of my sins Asking that you will forgive me of my sins. And when you do that, the next thing that happens is you repent of your sins and you get baptized. When you get baptized, you get baptized in the saving name of Jesus, not in the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, but in the saving name of Jesus, because Father has no power, Son has no power, and the Holy Ghost is not the name. None of them is the name. They're all titles. You, you, you get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Why do you get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ? For the remission. It means, God, wipe your conscience. He wipes it clean from all the way you used to live, all the sins you've committed. He says, I remove them from you so I can enable you to live a different life. 
remission. And so I stop there to tell you, if you've been in this church for a while, most of you have gotten to that point. If you've been in this church for a little while, most of you have gotten to that point. The next three cycles are the cycles that we have been struggling with individually and as a church. Receiving is the next cycle. So when you are baptized, God promises that he will fill you with his spirit. You don't have to beg, borrow, or steal for it. He promised that I will fill you with my spirit. It's guaranteed I will fill you with my spirit. So you have to make sure you seek God until he fills you with his spirit. When he fills you with his spirit, you don't want to just settle with a feeling. You want to prove you have his spirit. And the Bible teaches that when you are filled with the spirit, the evidence that tells you you're filled with the spirit is you speak with other tongues. Never get offended with what the Bible says. And so what I'm telling telling you here tonight is what the Bible says. Not what I think, not what I'm just putting on you. I'm telling you what the Bible says. Never let God's word offend you. When God's word come at you and you don't like what it's saying or you're not confident in it, for whatever the reason is, you have to talk to yourself and say, self, for whatever reason, I'm uncomfortable with what I just heard or what I just read. For whatever reason, uh, you know, and sometimes it's because we never experience something. We become uncomfortable with it when we hear it. Never become uncomfortable with God's word. Just say, God. I need that word to work in my life just like it's being talked about or just how I read about it and never let that go. I got I to be honest with you. I remember when I got baptized, I did not receive the Holy Ghost for about, I don't know if it was seven or nine months. And so I started questioning my mind, why can't I get it? I look around and I see other people with it. They're speaking in tongues and, you know, they have the Holy Ghost and they're praying and tears running down. The Holy Ghost is working in there. Why? Why it's not working in my life? Seven to ten months. I mean, seven to nine months it took me. And so when you don't get it right away, you start having some doubt. I'm glad he took me through that because I can tell you now. (laughs) I can help you now. If I didn't go through that, I was telling somebody the other day. I got to say this, but I know what you all are going to do after I say this. I'm concerned when someone comes into church and they get the Holy Ghost really quick. Not because it's bad, because God can give it to you whenever. But if I'm being honest tonight, which I am, the pattern that I've studied a little bit is God's mercy. So watch this. A lot of times people come into church and when they receive the Holy Spirit quickly and talk in tongues, it always seems like a good majority of those people end up falling away from the church after a while. You didn't think that's what I was going to say. It always seemed that way. And I'm like, Lord, 
And because I know how he flexes, the thought that, you know, came to my mind when I started thinking about that, I realized his mercy. He has taken away the excuse from every one of us that will ever try to use an excuse as to why we didn't obey him. And so he already knew they were going to. So he just. Because the Holy Spirit empowers you and enables you to live for God. It's that it's that help that you couldn't do on your own that no one else could do for you. The Holy Spirit does that for you. So when you get the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, you don't really have an excuse as to why you can't live for God. God in you, the hope of glory. So when God is in you, you gonna have a hard time standing before Him and say, "Well, God, this is." He go like, "I gave a down payment to you of how real I am, and gave you what you needed to be strong enough to walk this walk." What's your problem? So when people come to church and they get the Holy Ghost real quick, ah, I say, "Good for them" in my mind, but I get concerned because I've seen it so many times. And then you look at it the other way for the ones that it take a long time, like me, probably like some of you. If you could stay in the church for that long period of time and didn't have it, just imagine when you get it, how strong you will be and that you will be there probably. Thank you, Brother Scarlett. And so it's important to understand that cycle of receiving. If you if you if you weigh it against the natural cycle, you'll see that's when the baby is born, come out of the womb and take its first breath. So in the natural, same position, number six. Take the breath. And so when you go over to salvation, number six, receive the Holy Ghost. It's the breath of God. The other one is remaining. The remaining. Remaining means, let me see, I jotted down a little bit, and I want to give you all the stuff from remaining. Remaining is instructions in holiness, righteousness, fellowship, Studying of God's word, increase in faith. So now that you have the spirit of God dwelling in you, proper growth is what needs to take place in your life. So you, 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 you learn to grow, be in the family of God. And so in that growth, what you're saying is you're going to learn how to be holy, to live holy. You're going to learn how to live righteous. You're going to learn to fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You're going to learn how to study the word of God so you can apply it in your life. And you're going to increase in faith. The faith that you had when you got saved should not be the faith that you continue to be in because your knowledge of who he is is supposed to increase as you grow. 
so that's remaining. That's your time of growing up on both sides and getting mature and becoming an adult where you can handle yourself and you don't have to depend on just being taught all the time because you're learning even when you're not even assembled with the body of believers. And then reproducing. Reproducing in the natural is having your own family and start to raise your own children, having babies. Marriage, having babies. That's reproducing. And so, just like we desire to have our own family in the natural, we should desire to raise children in the salvation cycle. It's not natural as a Christian to not wanting to help get other people saved. If you're struggling with that, you need to go to God and deal with that. So, individually... And as a church, our struggles are receiving, remaining, and reproducing. That's where we're having a hard time as Christians in the salvation cycle. So I wanted everyone to examine themselves and say, where am I in that salvation cycle? How far have I gotten? And don't, don't, don't put any pressure on yourself. What am I doing? God gives us the answers to the test and then tests us. Just want to say that. So I'm a servant. I'm supposed to operate the same way. I am supposed to give you the word of God and challenge you, challenge you to let the word of God work in your life. And you have the answer. So I'm not challenging you when you don't have the answer. So you know what you're supposed to complete on the salvation cycle. You know what you're supposed to complete. The question is, have you completed it? In God, we don't want to deceive ourselves. You don't want to lie to yourself in Christ. You never want to lie to yourself for no reason at all, but try your best not to lie to yourself in Christ because you only hurt yourself. So whatever is the truth, talk to yourself. Tell yourself, I'm not there. I need to get that working in my life. So whether it's receiving the Holy Ghost, you need to tell yourself, I need to receive the Holy Ghost. I need to receive it like the Bible. Speak with tongues. And I need that. And you need to talk to God about that. Whether it's remaining. Am I living holy? Do I look holy when people see me? Do I carry myself as a holy Christian? Am I holy? And if you're not, you need to work on being holy. Holiness starts from within. And so if you have the Holy Ghost in you, then the Holy Ghost can make you a holy Christian. Remember, I've said a long time, when you have him in you, that's who you're trying to please. But for the longest, when people teach you about being holy, you made it about the outward stuff and what everybody else think. If you're holy from within, it will show on the outside, 
but remember who you're doing it for. You're not doing it for me. You're not doing it for the person you go to church with. You're not doing it for your family members. You're not doing it for anybody but the Holy One that is in you. That's who tells you how to look, not the preacher. Now, if you don't know how you're supposed to look, then you can always check in with me, and I'll tell you. But if you're really allowing the Holy Ghost, because he did it to me. Our church that I grew up in had certain standards, and that was cool. But God started putting his standards on me. Had nothing to do with the church. And the standard that God was putting in me was a whole lot harder than what the church was doing. Because here is what God knows. Window into that. Here's what God knows. He knows what you liked when you weren't living for him. He knows the things that draws your attention when you weren't living for him. He knows what can, what can, what can pull you back into that life of sin. So usually he attacks that right away. So let me give you a good example real quick. Just a little example, Mama Trump. One of the first things God dealt with me was when I got saved, I had to stop wearing shorts. Just me and God. Leave me alone. Don't talk to me. Don't ask me no questions. He wanted me to stop wearing shorts. Why? I played soccer. My legs looked pretty decent. And I used to get a lot of compliments at school with them. Matter of fact, my shorts was always kind of short. Because I know I had good calves. I knew I had nice, strong legs. And I used to want to walk in front of the packs of girls. Wherever they were girls, in my mind, I got to get in front of them. And I got in front of them and start walking my cool walk. And it never failed. Somebody hollered at me out of the group because I had nice legs. So when I got saved, one of the first things he said, no more shorts. Like, you got to be Christian. But he knows all of us. And that's what I mean by let him direct you what to wear and what not to wear and how to look and what not to look like because he knows how you can get tripped up. So he requires things of you. And if you want to live right and please him, not me, not for the church, not for anybody else, the Holy One that's in you is putting these, whatever you want to say on you, these restrictions on you to say, I'm trying to save you, girl. I'm trying to save you, boy. Do this. Do that. So being holy, being righteous, fellowship, wanting to always interact with one another, not be by yourself. Whether you know it, interaction with each other help you to grow as a Christian because you, you share with each other. And you pick up on things others are doing that you're not doing. And you can share things you're doing that they're not. So it helps us individually and collectively when we fellowship. That's why I like our prayer breakfast. It covers a lot of angles. We pray and then we fellowship. Love it. And then as we grow and we fellowship, we study the word of God like we're doing tonight. and, and, And our faith increase. And now we're ready because we have become mature to start reproducing ourselves. And again, for all of you that have children, I'm just starting there. 
as a Christian, just like you like to point to your children and say, that's mine. That's my, I love to point at my kids. I'm getting old. I know I'm getting old. I love to see my kids now, man. I look at all of them. They my kids. They mine. <laughs> when I was younger, it didn't, it didn't click that way. I don't know what it was. I know I'm getting old. I, I, I cherish all my time to spend with my kids and talk to them. Everything is meaningful to me now. My eldest came over this morning. He was off from work today. But he's still my son. He still do the same thing. I told him, come over, we're going to set up some weightlifting stuff down in the basement. Told him, get the bench out, get the screws in the bench, and we'll get the, the weight bench, get, get it going. He got it all the way, almost fixed. Dad, I didn't get it all the way. Said, I said, you 32. 32, you going to be this year 32? Yeah, no, 31. He'll be 31 in March, still doing the same thing. Still my boy. Still my boy. But just like you like to have your children to say, that's my daughter, that's my son, we ought to start feeling like that as Christians. I helped that person became a Christian. I helped that person became a Christian. I helped. And, and, and it might just begin with your family at home. Help them become Christians. Right? Let it start there and then start to branch out. But you need to be living for God to the point where you can look around and say, God used me to help that person be a Christian. God helped me to use that person. And people are now living for God because you were able to help them. It's supposed to work that way in the salvation cycle. So those three last three cycles, make notes of that. Put asterisks by them and start working on them. If, if it's not, if, if number six doesn't pertain to you, then go to seven and eight and say, I got to make that work for me. I got to make that work for me. Look at it. What does it mean? I got to make it work for me and let it work for you so you can know you're doing what you need to do in the cycle process that you're in with God. And so now tonight we hopefully can get to the spiritual maturity part of this. So let's read 2 Peter 1 and and, and, and one, th- 1 through 10 again like we did last week. We'll do it again. If you have questions when we're done tonight, please come and ask me. I would be glad to answer your questions. If you have questions online, um, send them to um, online. Send them through online, and I will be glad to answer your questions. So 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord, or Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power had given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Here Peter writes, that God had given us all things. And as I like to say, you tell me what's outside of life and godliness. Whatever we're doing, that's called life. <laughs> However we're living, that's called life. It means we're breathing and we're moving. It means we're living. So Peter is right and says, God had given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness 
And I like to say, outside of godliness and life, there is nothing else. There's nothing else. The breath you breathe, the life you're living, godliness, there's nothing else. Those are, that's everything that this life consists of. Physical life and godliness. How do you obtain that? Through the knowledge of him that had called you or called us to glory and virtue. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. So when you have the knowledge of God, you will understand God's promises. That by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is the world through lust. When you have the knowledge of God, you have the opportunity to escape corruption. You have the knowledge of God, you are able to obtain godliness. Verse 5, and besides or beside this, given all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience and to patience godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you, and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind. So all the things we talk about on the spiritual side, if you lack these things we just read, it means that you can be a Christian and still be blind and cannot see afar off and had forgotten that he had per he was that he was purged from his old sin. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. How do you make your calling and election sure? By obeying and having these things. And we'll talk about what these things are. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith, Besides what? What is this? This refers to the subject of the preceding verses. So what has been the primary subject of the preceding verses? The knowledge of the deity and humanity of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the very most significant and important thing that everyone has to have is the knowledge and the deity, the knowledge of the deity and and humanity of Jesus Christ. When you have that, you have the potential to be everything God called you to be. You have the potential to be that. It's just a matter of just following through. It says, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, to patience godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. All right, so now let's go back over here and check out our, our, our situation here. So faith, revelation, and fertility are like the same thing. This chart is heavy. You need fertility for natural cycle to be born. You can't be saved if you don't get a revelation of who God is. And for you to become spiritually mature, you have to have faith, knowing who God is. 
The next thing that must happen is virtue. He's telling us what to add to our faith. So a lot of people think, I've got faith. I'm good. Okay? If that's where you stop, you're going to fall. But if you will begin to add to your faith, you will not fall if you add all the other cycles that come. So what is virtue? Virtue is agreement. Not just say it out of your mouth, but agreement in how you respond in obedience to the word of God. So virtue is agreement with God in how you respond in obedience to his word. Mm -hmm. What does virtue also do? Virtue make you uh, understand that you are a sinner and that you're not able to save yourself. If you don't have that in you, you don't have virtue. If you're not walking in obedience to God's word and understanding who you are and that without God, you cannot be saved. If you're not in that mindset, then you're not walking in virtue. So you didn't add to your faith yet. Knowledge, knowledge, number one is faith. But knowledge in this instance is constantly inquiring and investigating the scripture. So you need to inquire and investigate God's word. Again, we can't think this thing is just going to be so easy for us. Oh, I believe. It's more than that. Eternity? The things people do to be rich. The things people do for power. The things people do to accomplish whatever goal that they set. Whether it's to become an Olympian or to be a professional athlete, whatever it is, the things they go through to accomplish those things, it was not easy. Brother Darrell always said was this close to making it to, into the professional football. He was this close from being a professional football player. Now, whenever you get time, this will be a good opportunity for you to talk to him and learn a little bit about him. When you get time, go and talk to him and find out how long he played football, how, you know, from what age, and how much time did he put into it. Go find out. Nothing that's worth anything to any of us comes easy. Your profession didn't come easy. Your college degree didn't come easy. Even if you were smart, you had to roll for three to four years to get it done. Three to four years of your life was committed to that. What are we talking about? But somehow salvation is supposed to be, I believe. Somehow we end up at that place to think God is good. And so we're supposed to just believe and that works everything out. But to get a college degree, we got to do this. To be an Olympian, we got to do this. To be a professional athlete, we got to do this. To, 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 to accomplish a good career and make good money, we got to do this. To save up some money, to buy something expensive, we got to work for a long time, putting money aside and, 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 and starving ourselves or just sacrificing to save us some money. But somehow salvation is, I just walk in. 
and walk out, and I'm saved. I'm going to keep talking about that because I just think it's ridiculous, and I don't want to see any person not be saved. So i got to really tell you the truth about how to be saved. The fourth thing that you need to do is temperance. That's the fourth thing. What is, what is temperance? Temperance is the subjection of self to discipline and control rather than pursuit of satisfaction of your appetite. I'll say that again. What's temperance? Temperance is the subjection of yourself to discipline and control rather than pursuit of satisfying your appetite and lust. So the bottom line is people that's living to their own satisfaction, they haven't had temperance yet. Whenever you see yourself just living to just satisfy what you delight in and what you desire, temperance is not part of your arsenal. It's not. Because when you have temperance, you know how to control yourself. And you know what you desire that's wrong. And you know what? Guess what? I, I need to not do that. If you can't do that, temperance is not in your arsenal. You're not, you're not living a life of temperance. Then five, patience. What is patience? This is a good one. Patience is a proper response to the people and events that irritate and offend you. I'll say that again. Patience is a proper response to the people and events that irritate and offend you. A lot of Christians failed during this past election. Woo! They did not show any patience. They showed how much they didn't have patience because they allowed an event to cause them to not have proper response, meaning godly response. No matter what you're dealing with or what you're going through, if you're going to demonstrate patience, you have to have a proper response, no matter what people are saying or what they're doing or what the events are that's taking place. You ought to always have the proper response. You ought to always put things in a proper perspective. So when all the stuff is going on, just like I said, I guess I demonstrated patience a little bit. I said, why would I waste my time worrying about the things that are going on in our election when it can help me to get to heaven. And that will probably be my response to a lot of things. How is that helping me to get to heaven? How is that helping me to better be a better Christian? How is that helping me to get a closer relationship with Christ? And if it, it can't do that, then my response will always be, I'm good, not worried about it, not going to fight over it, not going to argue back and forth about it. Warren always tell this story, my good friend, that pastor up in Newark, he always tell this story in the early days when we, you know, he was with me and I'm leading him, training him. And I think Brother Henry was with us that day too. 
and we're knocking on doors and inviting people to church, praying for people and talking to them. And he knocked on this door and two guys was inside and they told him to come in. So he thought, yeah, I get to go in and tell them about Jesus. And so he goes in and he's talking and we're still going down the road, knocking on doors, giving out flyers and talking. And all of a sudden, I think I said to Brother Henry, where's Warren? Oh, he's in that house up back there. I said, for all this time? I said, all right. So I walk, knock on the door. They say, come in. They're talking about some irrelevant subject. I say, hey, bro, if they don't want Jesus, we've got a lot of people down the road that might want Jesus. And so you have wasted about 15 minutes talking to them about nothing because they don't want to hear about Jesus. I said, how about we just keep going down the road to find somebody that want to hear about Jesus? I'm out of here. But my point is, even back then, we're talking about, I don't know, 17, 18 years ago. Even back then, I'm like, I'm okay with you saying, I'm good. Leave me alone. Because I want to go find the person that's saying, I want to know more. So I'm always thinking of, I want to make sure nothing gets in the way of Jesus, learning about him, teaching about him. And anything that gets in our way that's going to waste our time, we need to show patience by saying, I'm good, and just keep it moving. You want to hear about Jesus? I'll talk to you. And if I talk to you and I don't bring Jesus up right away, you best believe I'm heading that direction sooner or later. I'm going to give you your time to talk, but when, when it's my time to talk, I'm going to give you the proper response. Because I'm going to say, well, you know, when you live for God, those things won't have the same impact on your life. And then I keep, you got to hear something about Jesus. Patience. Number six, godliness. Godliness. What is godliness? It's the life and nature of God within you. Because you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. So now you have the life and nature of God within you. That's godliness. Now, you ready for something interesting? The seventh step in the cycle is brotherly kindness. Let me show you how awesome these cycles are. Look at growth. Natural cycle, child is growing, right? Look at salvation, remaining, spiritual growth. But the natural growth and the spiritual growth it accompanies or encompasses fellowship. So when you're a kid and you're growing, you're interacting. When you're a Christian, born again, and you're growing in God, fellowship. When you are trying to be spiritually mature and you're adding to your faith, when you get down to brotherly kindness, fellowship. Fellowship is a significant, significant part of your growth and maturity in Christ. Online congregation, 
let me mess with you a little bit. There is, there's a religion that says if you never go to a certain location, you can't be a true believer of that religion. You got to go to that place. If you don't go to that place, you're not a true believer. I know we have a pandemic and we're challenged. But online congregation, you got to do what you got to do sometime to show up to fellowship. Because there is no substitute for it. Just like there's no substitute for sleep. There's no substitute for fellowship. None. Across the board, growth, you're in a family. You're interacting. Remaining, you're in a church family. You're interacting. You want to mature spiritually? Brotherly kindness. You got to love one another. So how do you love one another? By being away from each other. Just know that I love you, church. And whenever I'm teaching you, I am telling you because I want you to know because I want what's best for you. I want this church to be so intelligent when it comes down to God that you can live for God in, in a surety and know that you're doing what you need to do. Too many people are trying to live for God in obscurity. They don't know. They, they, they don't have the information. They don't have the knowledge to live properly for God. They're living off their emotions. They're living off of what they've been told. They're living off of tradition, but they're not really living for God according to what God says. So I want to help this church. I want to help us to have what we need so we can live for God in all surety to say we're on the right track. But here's the good news, too. When you know, when you are on the right track, when you slip off, you will know. A lot of people that are supposed to be Christians, when they slip off the right track, they don't know. Because they didn't know to begin with. You follow what I'm saying? If you don't know to begin with, you might be going good when you start out. But when you start to drift a little bit, you won't know you're drifting because you never really knew the right thing. You will just start justifying your drifting by saying, well, you know, again, God understand all these cliches because you never really understood. You just started following everybody. Is that what? And you might be following the wrong person. So I want you to know this for yourself. And when you know this for yourself, you can live this thing out. Finally, charity. Charity means love. What is love? You've heard me said it before. Make notes of what love is. Love is the willingness to sacrifice whatever is necessary in order to provide the needs of the object of your affection. So for all the people we say we love, we better be willing to sacrifice for them for whatever need, not want now. Because you know these kids, they'll make you think they need stuff when, <laughs> you know, they'll make you think you need, they need something. You don't need that. 
they are so messed up. They don't know what needs and wants are. I've been, I, I, so whenever they say, Dad, I need, I said, think about that again and let me know. Then they'll say, yeah, Dad, I want. I'm saying, yeah, and you're not getting that. <laughs> Stop telling me about what you need. And when they corrected, I said, well, you, you don't need to have that. The last born had so many things that he wanted over Christmas. I said, it's a long time before we buy you anything else, bro. So don't even ask me about what you want. Or, God, Dad, can you get this? We did ask for a whiteboard the other day. I'll get you that because that's educational. I want a little whiteboard that, you know, can write, you know, things on to remember. Because his, his sister had one. She was smart enough to know she needed one a long time ago. So she got her whiteboard. She got her whiteboard and, you know, she, you know, things to remember on it, you know, write down, you know, messages that's important. And she put it up so she look at it. So he finally caught on. We're always behind you, lady. Trust me, I'm not an idiot. I know you are smart. <laughs> she was so far ahead of, I learned that. If I didn't know that before, I learned it through my kids, okay? She was so, she knew a long time ago, I need a whiteboard, Dad. So I got her whiteboard. So she's been using her whiteboard. Finally, somebody caught on. Just yesterday, he caught on. <laughs> I need a whiteboard, Dad. What you need a whiteboard for? Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. So love is the willingness to sacrifice whatever is necessary in order to provide the needs of the object of your affection. Love, listen to me is an act of the will and as such can be commanded. You can command yourself to love somebody. We think that emotion has to be a part of love. I don't like what I'm telling you. You you, you missed that. I don't like what I just told you. That emotion doesn't have to play any part in love because I want emotion to be in it. But somebody can love you without have to show emotion. If they make themselves do whatever it is that's necessary that you need for them to provide for you and show you that they love you, you're the object of their affection, and they don't have to be all <laughs> why are you all are laughing? I know a lot of people. They don't show a lot of emotion all the time, but you best believe you look at their work and you know they love. Uh, I, I, I see it all the time. There are people that love. They might not get emotional all the time. They're not like my mom. My mom try to act like she's big and bad and then she break down crying, showing all that emotion. Woman, relax yourself. If she ever if she ever sound like she's being bad with you, just say in your mind, poor thing. <laughs> ain't no bad going on. She ain't this boss lady. She cry like a baby at the drop of a hat. She's emotional. Other people, on the other hand, they're gonna do the same thing in love in their action, but one gonna do it with emotion behind it. The other might not do with emotion, but if it's the same result, then it's still love. You follow what I'm saying? If it's the same result, it's still love. 
So if you sh- if you show the people you love, you do whatever is necessary to, 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 to fulfill the needs that they have, and you do it emotionless, and the other person do it for their person with a whole lot of emotion, does it mean they love more? No, because the result is the same. So don't beat the person up if they didn't, like, show a whole lot of emotion. If they're doing what needs to be done, just take it. (laughs) A whole lot of of laughing goes on with that one. You all can say a whole lot behind that. Well, I just gave you the answer, so stop getting worked up about your person, your loved one, not showing enough emotion. If they do what they're supposed to do, just accept it. I'm not telling you, you can't have the conversation. I'm not saying you can't say to them, honey or sweetheart or whatever you call them, I, I just would like for you to just be a little bit more compassionate and show some more. You can have the conversation. Nothing wrong with it. Have it in a nice, sweet tone. Just say it. But there's no guarantee that's going to change anything. So if they still do what they're supposed to do, let them do it. Stop beating them in the head. Hallelujah. So here's where we are. We end our series tonight on the cycle from death to life to spiritual maturity. This is very important for you to hold on to, keep in your heart, live it out, because it will help you to be a strong, profitable Christian that will not fall away from God. You won't have to worry about how did I get into this place? Add to your faith. You already have faith. Add to it. You got to add virtue. You got to add knowledge. You got to add temperance. You got to add patience. You got to add godliness. You got to add brotherly kindness. And you got to add charity. If you don't add those things, you'll find yourself in jams all the time and wondering what's going on. Because just the regular salvation cycle of life is not good enough to keep you from falling. You have to get spiritually mature. Any questions? Any questions? Any questions online? Everybody good? So it must mean I I, I taught you clearly? (laughs) All right, well, I'm going to be looking now. So when you see me looking, you know why I'm looking. I'm looking to see if you're doing what, 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 what I talked about. What the Word of God says, I'm just looking. I won't be talking, I'm just looking. Why is he looking? To see if you're doing what we talked about. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send, I don't have to do it, but I can do it. Send people your way, that's going to get you riled up, and I'm going to look if your patient's going to show up. You don't know that's how it works? Oh, watch tomorrow. Probably some of you when you go home. Watch, watch and see, there's going to be an event. Or a person is going to do or say something. Let's see what your response will be. And you'll know if you learned something tonight. <laughs> right when you get home. Probably when you get in the car. <laughs> something is going to pop off. And your response will tell you if it's patience or not. And you're going to have to deal with that tonight. Like, Lord. I said, I had no questions. I act like everything was good and I understood everything, but I'm not, I didn't show what I learned. 
So I'm challenging you tonight to show what you learned. You got to show temperance. Mm-hmm. Got to have self-control. Uh-huh. Godliness. Uh-huh. Yeah. Let's see what comes out of you. Godliness. Let's stand. Hallelujah. I think. Oh, here's a question. Uh huh. Uh-huh. What do you mean? You got to go back and work on your patience. If that's what it is, that's what it takes, because I truly believe and I say it, Miss Joy, I say it sometimes. And I learned it before I started Christ Center Church. And since I've started Christ Center Church, I smile at it now. There are people that's in your life to help you become patient. So don't get that twisted. Because your patience might cause you to miss out on heaven. We, I can't wait till we get some of these, these, these behaviors of God down pat. Because God loves you so much that when he shows you grace and mercy, you can't even see it sometimes. So just like you love your children so much that when they do something crazy, you're only beating them so they don't do it again. I think, I hope so. You only punish them and spank them so they don't do that anymore. Right? That, that's usually why we do it. If we didn't spank them or punish them, the Bible says, then really you don't care too much about them. So when God knows you have a problem with patience, they're going to put somebody in your life to irritate you. And it's because he loves you, not because he hates you. But we're so screwed up in the head, we think, how can God love me? And every time I turn around, this person get on my nerves. They never listen. Well, I hope tonight you understand God loved me so much. He knew I had a hard time getting patience under control. So he made sure he reminds me every day, get that patient situation under control. Every day, work on that, because that could keep you out of heaven. So I'm going to make sure I agitate and agitate till your response to it will be the right response. Do y'all learn these things about God? Yes, sir. Patient. <laughs> I think you're very close, Brother Jackson, to being patient. I think you're close. We can count the few times that you might have blew it a little bit. But I think you're very close to mastering it. But keep working at it, brother. You're, 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 in, you're, you're doing a good job. 
You haven't mastered it, but you're doing a good job. You, you see what I'm saying? God knew he was going to need patience. Because, you know, yes, Miss Joyce. Leave that one alone. So, okay. So, Miss Joy want to know, why is the way to heaven to be pleasing to God, to do the right things, why it feels like it's so difficult, the way is so narrow, and all that stuff? I agree with her. Here is why. why. Here's the answer. The answer is because when we set out, when we were born into this life, we didn't seek to live for God from our very beginning. And so what we did was we took on the behaviors of our world. And so that's what we became accustomed to. And that became who we are. It's the behavior and the characteristics of this world. And then we come to church. And then we start reading this book. And then, you don't love me, God, because why do I have to do all of this? And his response is, I didn't tell you to go do all the stuff you've been doing for 20 years, 30 years, all your life. I didn't tell you to do all that. So now, if you just work with me, I'm going to help you be what you were supposed to be from the very beginning of life. This is why he says, I need you to be born again. Because the way how we were born, we just took on all the wrong characteristics when we were born. And that became natural, and that became what is supposed to be and what we are used to, and that's how we lived our life. And then here come this God stuff. We start reading his word, and the preacher start preaching his word, and now I got to change all the ways I've known all my life. Because I know when somebody gets on my nerves, I cuss them out. Give them a piece of my mind. And now I got to read this stuff. And it says I can't do that. I got to have patience. (laughs) I guess I would say to you to close this out. We don't have time to waste. We need to take all of our time and invest it in working out what God said we need to do. Because we got so much to accomplish. We have so much to do. We have so much to, 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 to just fulfill in the word of God that we cannot waste any moment. Because we're so far behind, we got to catch up. Some people are born in the church. I don't know about you, but I wasn't born in church. Yes, ma'am. Somebody online just asked, how can one obtain more patience? So let me tell you the right answer. Tell them to pray for it. But tell them, there better be a lot of brotherly kindness there. Tell them they're going to give us more than online um, fellowship. Because when, when, when God start working the situation for them to have patience, they don't need to talk to somebody. 
I don't know if you're following me. <laughs> they're going to need somebody to talk to because they're going to lose their mind when God is working the patience out. You can lose your mind because you're not used to it and they're driving you crazy. And God is saying, what is the proper response? God, you don't understand. You can't tell him that, though. Don't, don't ever tell God you don't understand. This is why we're learning that he is God Almighty. He is deity and humanity. Don't tell him he don't understand because he walked this earth and he understands everything. So don't tell him he don't understand. You just have to say to him, man, God, this is not easy. And he's going to say, I know, but I'm here to help you. That's his response. I know it's hard, but I'm here to help you. That's what he's going to tell you. Because we messed up the deal from the very beginning, doing our own thing, partying like it was 1999. When we were supposed to be in church worshiping God, we were partying like it was 1999. Listening to my boy Prince, he ain't even here no more. And we was partying listening to him. So there's a lot of things we messed up. And now it makes it a lot more difficult for us to get it back on the right path. But God is able, and God will help us. Amen. I've got a good word for you Sunday. Invite somebody out. Come to church Sunday. I've got a good encouraging word for you that will be in the same vein of what we're talking about right now at the end here. Come and hear it. God is good. God bless you. Have a good evening. Joy.